Ah, uh, man. So, if McCarrick is our Mad King, who are the White Walkers? The, the Summer, Summer of, of Scandal. Scandal. Oh, <laughs> what an awesome way to put it. So, the Mad King, for those of you who aren't Game of Thrones fans, tried he went crazy because they're all incestuous and he tried to burn the whole city down when there was a civil war going on and one of his right hand men killed him and is hence known forth as the kingsley my name is jamie my name is uncle ted <laughs> burn it all <laughs> my name is uncle yet father okay so the white walkers are the demonic enemy from the north a supernatural force here to kill us all I don't know. Why? Well, did you just come up with that? Or did someone write it in or anything? No, I just came or, up with that on the spot. Who are the White Walkers, Luke? Good question. Like, who, what's uh, <laughs> the spirit of Vatican II? No. Uh, <laughs> Cardinal Roger Mahone. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think it might be moral relativism. You know, just like, what's this unstoppable force that just consumes and turns everything that it destroys into an enemy against the people that they were once made to serve or were a part of what would that be i mean i don't think i don't think i don't think it would have to necessarily be a person or a group of of people could be a movement a french film i don't know oh luke i am so (laughs) i don't even know the the White Walkers are is is the congregation of bishops. No, I don't know if I'd just go that far. I think like why the hell would they stop a a largely toothless American initiative to address the bishops' problems? Like I, I had someone say, and and I understood what she was coming from. She was cautioning Catholics who have a social media following. Hey, guys, like, this is a universal problem, so the universal church needs to solve this. And I it, I 100% agree with her. But this is also a hugely American problem. And this worldwide problem was kicked off by Cardinal McCarrick, a cardinal, okay, who two other men are cardinals that he somehow or another helped influence. Cardinal Supich. Cardinal Tobin, okay? Now, with that being said, wouldn't you want to come to the meeting in February of the world bishops and say, hey, let's talk about strengths and weaknesses of what the American church is doing? Hey, guys, you Mm -hmm. really jumped the gun there. Typical cowboys, well done. You put your foot in it pretty big. How's it working out for you? Don't you think that that would be a good idea? I do, and I would also add to that that... uh Part of me feels like that's not really the purpose of Rome. It's not at all. If you're going to have national or regional conferences of bishops and they're not doing anything that is violating the code of canon law or faith and morals, why is the Pope of Synodality, a man who has said literally in Evangelii Gaudium, that he wants to give, which I think this is so wrong. It, it couldn't be more wrong, and I didn't see it. 
for what it was, but in Evangelii Gaudium, I think it's 32, he says that he wants to even give authority, even doctrinal authority over to the conferences. And he calls it essentially the synodality, the lack of collegiality and synodality. We just need to decentralize the church in so many ways, right? He's obviously not, you know, saying get rid of it, but it's almost like I want to decentralize the church except in ways that I don't want it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's, they're literally doing a normal thing. Like the charter, when the charter came out for the protection of children and young people in 2002 or whatever, the Vatican whoop, 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 sent over changes, alterations, recommendations, uh, addendums, whatever, um, in 2003, and they amended it. Like, why you can do that now, baby. We can say, hey, in lieu of what's going to happen in February, let's get this kick-started now. Okay, bishops, raise your hand and say this out loud. I will not molest people. <laughs> Repeat after me. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I, I when I was going to get some caffeine, I, I, I had this question I was going to ask you, and this was my question. Okay, you ready for this, Luke? Briefs. Okay. Have you ever knowingly covered up sexual abuse of children, young people, or adults? Uh, let's go with a hard no. Yeah, not that hard, people. <laughs> <laughs> not that hard. <laughs> hey, so-and-so sexually assaulted someone. You know what I'm going to do? Tell the police. Like, come on. <laughs> like, what the hell is happening? Well, and it's weird, too, because, like, what happens now is that, so our archdiocese has, has a policy where uh, two things. One, any priest that has had a credible a credible accusation, it is on our website. Uh, yeah. And then two, uh, anytime anyone reports anything to us, one of the first things that is said is we tell them to go tell the police. That's part of our policy. And so yeah. there are things already in place to handle a lot of these issues uh, as, as it relates to the what do you do when an accusation is now made and stuff. It's more of what do we do within the culture, within like the bishop's culture that has allowed this stuff to happen. Mm. So in my mind, it goes a little bit beyond the practicality of like, who do you, it's, it's, it is more about, uh, why did this happen? What is the root of this within, uh, with amongst us? Yeah. And so, uh, and I just don't see how Rome can answer that because the problem isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily Rome. I'm not saying that, that Rome doesn't help or hurt it. But I, I don't think it is a um, – I don't think it's a problem that stems from the Curion down. Oh, man, there are so many freaking terms that can be interchangeable. This is so freaking confusing at times. Yeah. Now, I want to bring up what <clears> – what, uh, <laughs> when they had the uh, comments, right? They could do the open comments. Cardinal Roger Mahoney, who is banned from public ministry because of his mishandling and cover-up of abuse cases involving minors and priests, opened up the comments by urging them to seek greater collegiality as brother bishops. Uh, you kidding? Okay, right? so... And he said he urged the bishops not to allow outside influences to interfere with or attempt to break bonds of ecclesial union. 
And you're like, oh, okay. My favorite, though, or not my favorite. I shouldn't say my favorite, but uh, uh, Cordelione, who is the Archbishop of San Francisco, he, he said he went around and has just been doing a bunch of, like, listening sessions. And he said, you need to listen. And he said, I, basically, there are two camps in my archdiocese. The first camp says it's the prevalence of homosexuality among the uh, clergy. And then the second camp says it's because there's an all-male hierarchy. Because women would never have allowed this to happen. Therefore, women need to be invited into all levels of the clergy. That's interesting. Yeah, and so he said, um, Cordelione said, now both of those conclusions are super overly simplistic. But they're not without merit. And, he, and this was a great line. He said, We'd, and if, do you know about Cordelione? Like, he's like a pretty hardcore dude. I, uh, and he said, I, I don't know everything about him, but I do know that he's pretty hardcore. he the bishop at? San Francisco. Oh, I've heard good things about him. Yeah, very interesting dude. Very interesting dude. But he says, we do sometimes act as a good old boys club with problems of cronyism, favoritism, and cover-up. And he said, to find solutions to these legitimate concerns of Catholics in the second camp. And then he said, it's overly simplistic to say homosexuality causes sexual abuse. And I think that me and you are pretty clear. Homosexuality doesn't cause sexual abuse. There are men who have a disposition towards same-sex attraction, who, you know, whatever, that do not have a compulsion. Mm-hmm. Right? Agree. Uh, and, but Daniel Matheson, he talked about, he's, he's the guy that Matt Fred is his go-to guy on gay stuff. You know, I, I, Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, I think was the name of his book. But he talked about, he wrote this really great article on First Things where he just said, listen, here's the deal. Uh, people like me should not become priests because there is, for many, not all, but for many gay men, there is a compulsion or a, a level of, um, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but there, there's a greater sex drive there um, with gay men than there is even with heterosexual men. And he said, and if just imagine, though, if you're, if you are alienated from male community community. So somewhere along the lines, you've sexually eroticized your need for masculine community. And now it's, you know, an eroticized desire. It's a sexual desire. Mm. Um, The male community doesn't, you're not accepted as a man into male community just because you're now having sex with men. So a lot of these gay men who are celibate will talk about like this experience of great relief when they first have their, when they have their first sexual encounter but then, like, that alienation creeps back, and then it kind of goes away and comes back because having gay sex in, and being in gay relationships is not exactly what's answering it. So that's where the element of compulsion can sometimes come in is that you then become addicted to seeking out that release feeling. Mm. And so um, and so, so, just talking about this, I mean, obviously I'm not a psychologist or counselor or anything like that. But, but we are um, podcasters. So we, too, will be overly simplistic. (laughs) (laughs) The only brush I paint with is a broad brush. Um, (laughs) Stamps.com slash catching foxes. (laughs) (laughs) One day. One day. day. But the idea is, imagine you have a compulsion towards gay sex or, you know, a compulsion towards sex. And then you're put into a seminary where you discover there is a gay culture, subculture. Mm -hmm. Right, where men are openly talking about it, engaging in it, walking into room, you know, like where you know, I mean, some of these seminaries used to have like communal showers and all that stuff, to the point where it's it's not just accepted that predatory activities become 
pretty, you know, manifest, right? Like, and a part of that subculture. And uh, so the worst thing you can do in that subculture is break the subculture. And so you have cronyism and and cover-ups kind of on top of this. Hey, let's take a break from being sad over the bishops and talk about Beard Balm at catholicbalm.co. Catholicbalm.co just released limited edition scent called Foxbait just for our listeners. It smells like foxes. I'm being Probably. quiet because you want to keep it under 60 seconds. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you. Go to go to catholicbomb.co, buy the most wonderful scent, not Elevate, but fox bait. fox bait. And once you get your fox bait, you enter in what for the coupon code and you get a 10% off? Cat, uh, catching foxes, all one word. Catching foxes, all one word. Catching foxes, all one word. Bam. 10% off your order and uh, you get to support our show. So I want to say thank you. To Tony and Michael and all the good people at CatholicBalm.co for their support of the show. And I didn't talk to keep it under a minute. JTT, as as, as the girls call them. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. All. That's not even remotely true. Uh, JTT. Whatever happened to him? You know who? Justin Taylor Thomas? I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think he's gay and living it up. Yeah, well, hey, you know, as you do. <laughs> Um, living la vida loca la loca oh man I, I enjoy a good ricky martin song um <laughs> this podcast respects a good ricky martin song all right uh <laughs> we call it so, the catching foxes shuffle because <laughs> <laughs> we really can't like unmove our hips well it's more like a weird shuffle <laughs> allay, allay, allay. man i'm okay really quick can i tell you why i'm glad that the 90s are back I feel like Ska's about to make a comeback, and I'm so excited. Okay. Um, what were we talking about? This is why we're You forward. were going to talk about Taylor Marshall, right? Is that who you were talking okay, about? Yeah, I yeah, threw yeah. out that name, yes. and then I felt like that wasn't where you were going. No. So, well, uh, it wasn't. But two things. One, let's talk about the Taylor Marshall thing. So, for those of you guys who don't know, Taylor, uh, Taylor Marshall is a YouTube guy. Who has written some really good videos that I've has written? Who has made some really good videos that I've kind of enjoyed? They're a bit long, but they're not bad. Apparently, he's going after Brandon Vaught and the things that he has, the ways and stuff that he has said about Brandon Vaught. I'm kind of like, mm, it's not that's 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 a dick move. Yeah, and I, I just and like you know I have uh, I do have a difference of opinion in some in some of the ways that Brandon when how he uh, approaches certain things but i've gotten to know him at least a little bit and i think he's a really good dude and he doesn't deserve that so like that guy can kind of slow his roll a bit that'd be great um <laughs> that was Luther's guy hot take, hot take on taylor marshall to saying essentially that bishop baron is toothless in what he stated and uh brandon vaught's an idiot for defending him uh we know where your bread is buttered, Brandon. That's what one of the comments said. It's like, oh, my gosh. And so I just responded. I was like, not everyone has to be an asshole like me and Luke. Like, <laughs> did you really yeah, say yeah. that? I get worried about that sometimes. That people, like, that really does concern me that, like, sometimes the way that we've said stuff, yeah. I don't want to empower people to, like, I feel like the yeah. things that I, there's a lot of context that is needed for that. Yeah, and, and number one, you, you ever heard a stream of consciousness tweets? You don't really think about stuff. You just type like I just I do mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, 
that is essentially what our show is. <laughs> it is just <laughs> boop off the cuff. But not, I mean, think about this. When the there was the shootings in Paris at that um, at that magazine, right? Charlie oh, yeah, or whatever yeah, 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 yeah. you were saying. Yep. Um, yep. There was this uh, interview with Bishop Barron, and he said, well, you know, I used to live around the corner from there. Uh, I find it very poignant that these things, and all these people that are like the typical like life site and i think it was life site news i was reading an article they're like how do we knew bishop baron was spineless and unorthodox and now we got confirmation and i remember reading that being like just because he's not reacting the way you want him to react like yeah he uses words like poignant i've never used the word poignant in a sentence except when talking about bishop baron right like i've never <laughs> used that he's an educated man Maybe, yeah, he's, maybe he's he made not a fly off the handle social media junkie like you and I, and it doesn't. I mean, that's virtue signaling in all the ways that they would call out some progressive dude, right? Like, he's not yeah. as mad as I am, therefore I'm righteous and he is not. And so you know, Bishop Barron. I mean, like if they write articles about him, you know, a hundred years from now, gonna be Bishop mild mannered Bishop Barron confronts you know blah blah blah. You know, that's just his it's his temperament. Mild-mannered, yet buff, Bishop Barron. He surrounds himself with weightlifters. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I'm, okay, uh, yeah, you go on, and I'm going to read something that... Oh, well, there's this other guy who I think has written some stuff that just seems very much... It feels like one of those guys who wants to, like, redefine the church a little bit, like, a little bit, like, kind of, like, you know, um, scoffs at orthodox or traditional Catholicism. Um just started to call out uh i can't remember this this um woman's name she's she writes for the the washington post and this is stuff he said to her which was like really rude who, and, and who she's is that pretty, who is like this? uh this guy i can't remember his name i'm gonna hold on a second we are not prepared per usual luke that luke we what? name names i know we do and i'm trying to find it i've just been so busy uh what is this guy's name? It's like Masanio or something. He's, he's Italian. Uh, okay. I am not going to be able to pronounce this with a speech impediment. Uh, Massimo Fagiolio. <laughs> yeah, that he's guy. a historian yeah. and a theologian at Villanova. And, and, and a hardcore Pope Francis uh, defender. Like irrationally yeah. a Pope Francis defender. And I think I just read like on one thing of his. And I was like, that seems weird. And I, I don't want to judge anything off of just that, but um, it just yeah, he I just he just like said some stuff. I was like, this isn't like basically calling out people for treating this whole thing that's going on as a um as like like liberal or a conservative thing, and it's just, and then people were like, wait, and just blew up to a huge thing. It's just it's it's just. It's not bad, but it, I feel like it's kind of close to getting bad. Yeah. And I don't know, for us, people who have not, like, a voice, but an audience, I don't know how, like, what's the right way to handle this? Like, how do we talk about this in a way that is dwelling in reality that ex and isn't a PR spin, per se? And it has to address the the honest concerns, the honest like in the moment concerns to what's going on, while also not being like you know 
this guy's a piece of shit. Because I, I mean, that's sometimes my that's my go to react. I've had to like stop myself multiple times from tweeting things from either my account or our account because I'm like, no, this just is not worth it. I had a priest who, who actually told me just try to do my best to keep my emotions in check and i was like oh it's so hard for me <laughs> uh, uh god i don't know what to do uh so one of our patreon donors annie marie oh she's so great she just tagged this in a post and uh and it has like the creators, and I've seen this picture before of like Leah Labresco and Jared Zimmer and a couple of the other people that uh, it's like a behind the scenes photo shoot, right? And they're like all these. The only thing that people can comment is how awful uh, Leah Labresco's shirt is. And is he the guy who has kind of like man boobs ish? What in the picture? Leah is a woman. Who, oh, who wrote the book that I emailed the or I mailed the? Let's edit that back a little bit. I I thought you said Leo. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's back up a little bit. Huh? Let's just not put that in there. Yeah. So I sent you the thing <laughs> in Skype. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm at the picture right now. Oh, I feel like a big jackass. I meant the dude who had a shirt that's like I'm quite clearly work out. Yeah. No. There's there are a bunch of they were like former like competitive weightlifters and bodybuilders. I mean. So you see the picture of Leo. That's Leah. Damn it. <laughs> it's, it sounded like you said Leo, so I assume No, do you see the picture that I'm talking about? Yes. Okay, so all these men are, or people are like, if this is what she's wearing and they're allowing her to teach, how dare oh, you? for the love. I know. Right? So this is the element like, yeah, you can see her cleavage, and it's just like one thing after the other of people who are like, that's all they're talking about is her clothing. Meanwhile, of all the things there, it's the only thing I want to watch is her presentation. Uh, not because of the cleavage, but because... Let's <laughs> back up everything we've said about this. Back. Oh, <laughs> uh, we are broken people. McCarrick is our song. Really, if you think about it, the church of the last... Half a century deserves McCarrick. Let's be real honest here. So I just commented, holy crap, people. And then I accidentally hit enter. And so it posted and it won't let me edit. Well, hey. So I'm a little. Oh, there's the edit. Is it under the Catching Foxes thing or is, or is it under yours? Yeah, no, it's under Catching oh, Foxes. Oh, yeah, good. Leave that there. And then I replied, we are a broken people and McCarrick is our son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brandon Vaughn, if you run their media plays. Their their um social please media page. It. Please keep that up there. <laughs> oh, God is here. <laughs> love, love, <laughs> Rome, huh? Not letting anyone do anything. The, the summer, summer of, of scandal. Scandal. One of our Patreon supporters, Patreon.com/slash/cf. Uh, asked us to kind of, if we could talk for a bit about what are the qualities of a great podcast. So let's mm. get meta here. Let's just take like two to three minutes. What are the great quality? What are the qualities of a great podcast? Because I need to take a break from talking about bishops and everything being terrible. Huh. Number one it has to be two white males. Number two, uh, no. Uh, qualities of a great podcast 
over everything, you have to do your best. And I'm an amateur, but to make the audio sound good, <laughs> because it can, doesn't matter. I have turned off people that I think are incredible, aka the the Thomistic Institute, because they don't know how to work microphones to save their lives, mm. and it is such garbage when I'm trying to listen to people give an incredible talk on a topic that I want that I want to understand, and it's just garbage audio. So start with the cleanest, best audio, highest quality you can possibly get. Luke? Uh, I, I think he's referring more to podcasts that like. No, I know. Oh, okay. I know. Okay. But I don't care. My first <laughs> criteria is good audio. So here are my things. I um, I think the more on niche a podcast is, the more interesting. It's something that me and Alan and Bobby Warshaw talked about a bit on our uh, on the B-side episode. That's on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash gf. Uh, but um, so I think that's really, I, I enjoy really on the niche. Like I used, I used to listen to a podcast. I think I did it when I was driving to Idaho or something. I just needed stuff about, it was a podcast with people who worked the Jungle Cruise ride at Disneyland. Because apparently that's like a cult there. It's like a thing. And you have to really be good to like work that ride. There's a lot because you basically you have to like really like sell the whole experience, and so you have to be really good to work that ride. Yeah, it's like those are some of Disney's best because there's such an like there's such a part of the ride. The people who work it like that's so funny because that was literally in my wedding vows. You get it? I get it. Get it? I get it. Okay, I get it. Um, I think too. Uh, I like podcasts with really good energy. And, like, there's this one podcast that I want to love it so badly. They talk about a thing I really, their podcast is just on the U.S. men's national team. So you think I'd be obsessed with it. It's only that. But they talk like this the whole time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, nope, can't do this for two hours. What What is that podcast on? Uh, the U.S. men's national s- soccer team. You know what I'm going to tell you is the remedy for that. The closest that you can do on your end. Oh, is to, like, speed it up. Speed it up. No, that's actually a good point. But it, I just found out. Well, that's all you can do, right? Yeah. Because if it's not energetic, then, yeah. But, but like, even if, like, because there are some people who, like, because you can have energy and talk slowly. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. I'll, I'm, I can yeah. speed that up, and, like, that's fine. It sounds normal. It's when yeah. there's no energy, and it's just, like, yeah. It just I think you have to have chemistry. The other thing that makes a good pot is some sort of chemistry between the hosts. Yeah. And it might just be like the guys that did um oh Mythbusters. Like they notoriously were not friends. Like they never got pizza together, they never went out to get a beer together. But they were so professional that when they were on screen, it wasn't that they looked like they acted like they were best friends, but they both had their personalities, you know, the fun goofy one, the more straight laced one. Yeah. And they connected really, 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 really well together in those roles, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Like, I feel like I'm a much more linear thinker, and I feel like you are a much more, like, creative thinker. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm, like, going off on something and then I finish talking and I you say the next comment, I'm like, where the hell did that come from? And then I realize, like, it was a brilliant insight and I, I should feel ashamed of myself. Mm-hmm. Um I think that that's uh, a good dynamic to have. Like, you don't want the same person. Yeah, I agree. You need a dynamic. 
and different personalities don't have to be opposites but you know and you have to let the here's the deal depending on the format of the podcast you got to let the personalities shine through Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah you can't script things where there's no personality yeah and i think if if you uh are trying to get into a podcast and you're not quite sold on it but it has all of these things uh Give it some time, and you'll probably really enjoy it, honestly. Like, uh, there is, there's something very cool about a podcast when you invest the time into it, and then it just clicks, and you're like, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I'm so in on, on this. That's um, I like that. It's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I need to be, yeah, I don't know. I just find that if it's not funny, it's hard for me to get into it. See that you like know? that doesn't bother me at all because like I mean I can I mean I can just almost into hours of hardcore history and that's not even remotely funny and that's one no, guy that's true he, could, he breaks yeah. all the rules because it's a script it's one dude and it is f- fascinating yeah but he has so much personality yeah it just it, and yeah. his love of history as an amateur historian just pours through. Mm-hmm. And the, he dramatically reads his script, so you don't feel you feel like it's just a nerd talking about mm-hmm. like his favorite moment in World well, War One or something, yeah, you know. And the way he writes is very conversational. Yes. So it's kind. It's really. I think that's the thing with a lot of podcasts is that are scripted. Where I tend to not like them is it just like it doesn't feel like it's not. They don't write in their voice or in how they talk. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, it's no, hard. I agree. I, I, don't, I, you know, when I was doing, um, the soccer podcast, you know, it took me, it, it, I had to go over it over and over and over until it was what I felt like was right. I think I got there. I mean, I was close to it. I think it would have gotten better the more that I did it. But it takes about a, a really good podcast, in my opinion, that you write for. I would bet you it probably takes about an hour for every minute. Yeah. What are some of the podcasts that you're listening to? Um, not much has really changed for the most part, so I'm really open for people to, to recommend anything. Um, I think one of the just same old soccer podcast. Uh, let me. I don't have my phone on me. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's new. Uh, I checked out Bad Christian again for the first time in a while. I wasn't super impressed, but I'm gonna keep listening for a bit. Um, I listen to Hardcore History. Has some good stuff that I've been enjoying. I've been doing audiobooks. So I've got an audiobook on the Battle of um, Britain that I that I like. That's been cool. Uh, Total uh, soccer nice. show as always. And let me think what else? What else? What else? What else? Not much. I'm kind of in the mood for something new and different. So, if anyone knows anything, let me know. How about you? So dealing with the clergy sex abuse crisis, I don't think it's any. Uh, any surprise that I've escaped into the fantasy world of J.R.R. <laughs> Tolkien? I have read in the past thirty days. I have listened to the audiobook of uh, the Hobbit, and then I've started reading that to my kids. What an enjoyable book that book is to read to your kids. That's cool. I've I've heard that. Yeah, because he's. I mean, he just like. It's like one of those books where it's like I know you're reading this to your kids, so let's add a bunch of funny introductory stuff here you know and let's make fun of bilbo baggins as all mm-hmm. these guests are arriving it's just fun but uh or like the way he talks about hobbits it's just like he knows he's talking to british school children or something like that it's great 
But anywho, so I read, I've read all the audiobooks, or I've consumed all the audiobooks of the Lord of the all three Lord of the Rings, um, The Hobbit, and I'm two thirds of the way through the Silmarillion that I got about four days ago. So that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, no, that's a big deal. That is a lot. I've never read the Lord of the Rings. Uh, all the way through by just reading it. So the audiobook truly helped me plow through a bunch of stuff. Nice. Oh, um, I will say one podcast that I've been enjoying has been the Electric Waffle by our good friend Katie Prejean uh, yeah. McGrady and her husband. I believe his name is Tommy. I'm drawing a blank on it. Uh, is, his last name would be McGrady. Come on now, Luke. Uh, oh, you know, okay. It's not it's not pre-jean, it's pre-jean. Pre-jean, sorry. Sorry, Katie. Sorry. I even took French. Shame on me. Um, One podcast as well that I've been enjoying has, and I think I talked about this before, but just in case I have not, uh, Garrison and Leach. It is a film, a film review podcast. This guy, these guys used to write for Deadspin. They write for Paste. Actually, uh, one half, Will Leach, started Deadspin. They're the best film review critics out there right now, in my opinion. It is fantastic. And I also almost into the um, uh, the National Review's uh, podcast on the great books. I've been enjoying that every now and again. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it's good. I uh, My podcast, I went back to some of the tech podcasts because Apple just had a tech announcement. And I'm like, oh, let's see what Apple's doing. And all that stuff but on um on youtube i've been watching a lot of half in the bag and some other film commentary ones and then i've been watching um there's one it's a it's a podcast or it's a youtube channel dedicated to essentially like the art of screenwriting a movie and why Mm. people make certain choices within i love that stuff like the final product Yeah. yeah And so that was cool. I've seen like two or three episodes of that. But then I started watching a million Linus tech tips. And <laughs> he's a, a Canadian YouTuber who does tons of like build your own Windows PC with glowing RGB lights and all this stuff, you know, like gamer PCs and stuff. And it's just fun. He does a lot of over the top stuff and it's just a lot of fun. So oh, nice. I I have never built my own PC and I think I might as well do that while you still can you know apple's doing its best to make sure that you can't touch any of the insides of their hardware so no No. right so i'm gonna have to build a windows pc so yeah so or a hackintosh which i'll never do but uh yeah so that's that's what i've been consuming lately and i've been doing it intentionally they are non-news related stuff that is information specifically about what i want to know about hmm um, so you could say it's kind of like a, what do you call it? A, uh, oh, what do you call it? A, a echo chamber, but it's a non-political news type echo chamber where it's like, I want to, you know, it's just like a sports podcast. It's like, I want to learn just about soccer. I don't want to know about all sports all the time. Yeah. So I'm like, I want to learn about computers and not just computers, but like graphics cards and, you know, stuff like that. So oh, cool. That's what, that's what my echo chamber looks like. Great. Um, one podcast I also want to bring up is the Song and Story podcast by our good friend Kevin Hyder. That is fantastic, and uh, and I love Kevin, and it's a really great podcast. He just had, he just had Ike and Dolo on. I haven't listened to that yet, 
but I'm excited too. Uh, so hello, Ike. Haven't um, talked to you in a while. Hope you're doing well. Um, <laughs> and then also, have you watched um, Nerd Soup on YouTube? No. Check it out. You would love it. I love it. It's great. It's great. It's so <laughs> You would good. love it. I love it. Therefore, you would it's love it. It's wonderful. And we are one in flesh. <laughs> we are one body. So tired. Um, is it? Do you feel like we all... Okay. Kind of going back to a lot of this horrible McCarrick stuff. Um, the the summer, summer of Scandal. 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 How how has this impacted your spiritual life? And that's right. That, that's that is sorry. That is a wrong way to put that. That's, I, that's a bullshit term. Uh, how has this impacted your interior life? Hmm. Uh, I would say that when it first happened, there was a lot of like r- righteous indignation, like you know, someone's burning the building while I'm trying to build it, kind of thing. Hmm. And there was a lot of frustration. Now it's like, uh, like I feel like with you know three Vigano letters, Cardinal Ouellette's absurd response to Vigano. And I say absurd because he condemned Vigano, but then verified some of his story that otherwise couldn't have been verified. But I feel like now it's like this tit-for-tat weirdo thing. I am legit, like, (laughs) yeah. So I am, it is very difficult for me to talk about the papacy right now. And I teach classes where I talk about the Catholic institution of the papacy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I get questions all the time. What the hell is going on with Pope Francis just issuing these dictates? Isn't he the guy that wants more collegiality? And these are Protestants who know of no, who don't know of any like synodality. They've never heard that word in their life. And yet they know that Pope Francis is the decentralization man of the people guy. And yet they feel like everything he's doing is contradicting that. And they ask me questions, not all the time. But I get it enough that it, it exhausts me. It exhausts me. So how, how am I doing? I'm freaking exhausted with this crap. And it is burning me out, like, in terms of... It's hard to engage in diocesan work. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean the parish life, too. Yeah. It's hard for me. Like, it, the, the pull to just say, you know what, I'm going to do these side things and just hope that that sustains an income... And I'm going to moonwalk out of my jobby job. <sighs> Luke, I, every fiber of my being says, get the hell out. And I, I'm terrified of that. Because I've, ne- I've never not worked for the church. And I mean the church, like at a parish. I've never not done that. I've never gone over to a ministry, you know, and like whenever we talked about it in our last podcast, one of the dynamic Catholic guys was like, your idea of a dream Catholic parish is literally what we do. We do mass and adoration and, you know, confession, and we have, you know, the Blessed Sacrament in our offices or whatever it is, you know. And, yeah. And I know that they do that to, like, the Life Team headquarters and all that stuff, but I'm just like. I met that guy. He's nice. Yeah. He nice. Yeah. The uh, So you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. 
we're in a parish and we can't do it. But then there's this part of me that says, but this is where the battle is. Like that is the part that, that hits me. It's like, like, I think the Bishop Barron's word on fire Institute thing is going to be great for the church. Like it's something equivalent to what the university of Dallas is doing with this great, like certificate program on faith and culture. Um, I talked with one of the nuns there and I really do think what they're doing is great, but it's like, and I know we need education, like really good education to understand what, but we need like sanctity. And I feel like that's what we were going to give them in the parish more than an online seminar, you know? Yeah. And that's where my fear is. Like, I want to leave. I, so I'm saying this knowing full well that my pastor might hear this. Like, I want to leave parish life because I feel like our bishops are completely letting the victims down, letting church workers, letting lay people down. They are. They're letting us down. Mm -hmm. And yet, at the same time, I feel like even if I were to go, let's say my Ascension Press stuff, buy my book, could uh, sustain my family. Like, how can I leave this? You know, like, I yeah. really do feel like, like Christ's work is being accomplished <laughs> in some of the worst ways possible, but... Yeah, I had a really good day on Monday. One of the adults on my core team, hi, Emily, uh, she came and unvolunteered at my office. Her work, I think, like, allows her to volunteer for, like, two days a year or something. It's, like, kind of cool, actually. And uh, we got, like, so much done. Just, I mean, and, like, I, I think we were also just trying to do as much as we could while she was there. Like, we worked from, like, eight. 30 to like six i mean just straight through like just one of the flow days oh where it just was clicking yeah and, and it was just like man this is what it could and there was something about that that i had thought of like man when this is good this is really really good you know and i've had that a few times when i've worked at minute when i just had um different events where i just thought when this it's good. I, I remember i walked like you know it was in, in between an event where i spent half of it praying over people and then the last half just being hi i'm luke kind of you know and just being like i love my job like like this when yeah. i'm doing this this is and it's tough because it's one of those like uh, where else will we go or to whom shall we go yeah you know and it but it, there is this element though of um i remember like almost kind of being bummed the next day when emily wasn't there and i was in my car and just had to drive for like five hours and i was away from all my friends at work and i was just like Man, it was so great having like just like some um, renewed energy there, and kind of being away from that. And and there's something, in, but there's a part of me that's just like fight for this. Like you can make this happen. I I I really still struggle with sometimes asking what are the point of diocesan ministries? Like truly, like what is the point? What good do these things actually do? And, I, and I've started to see through some stuff that we're doing with ours, like where the good stuff is happening. And I'm seeing good. I'm like, okay, so like it's starting to bear fruit. This is pretty cool. Um, and I want to believe that this can be good. But it's hard, man. I agree. It's really like I, I mean, I'm right there with you. How do you like get through the day? Like what's your what what what's like what do you like what are some of the practices that you do to like not just go insane? Um, okay, so I read um really rock solid stuff that I know is edifying. 
I do. Like for about an hour a day. Uh, our mutual friend Dave Van Vickle has this thing where he does two hours a day of no screens. So that's when he gets his reading done. Dave is so good. He's so good. We are so uh, bad. <laughs> well, actually, I'm not bad. Every week, my screen time plummets on my little app. It's like, you're down 35%. And uh, because I've been doing this. And so I do the reading. And it's usually, it's not spiritual, just spiritual stuff. Like, uh, it, it's, it's it's theology, it's spirituality, it's church fathers. It's a whole bunch of different things. Um, and I'll tell you what, like, knowing my faith keeps me sane because I know that I'm not the savior and neither are these theologians and hucksters and all this stuff. Also, I do this podcast for my parish called beyond the bulletin. And that's been fun because I get to do a podcast (laughs) for worky work. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And preparing my teachings for my inclusion class, which is for Protestants becoming Catholic. That's been huge for me. I've never had a more contentious class in my life. And uh, I feel like they don't let me get away with anything. And it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Um, Oh, and I do walking rosaries outside on the perimeter. I should do that downtown. Except it's so cold right now. I know. And I just pray for, I live in Houston. I just pray for conversion. We understand. That's actually really cool. I should do that more often. But it's so cold, and I hate the cold because I'm a huge wuss. And it's sad. Just do it in your office building. Uh, that's... The labyrinthine hallways yeah. <laughs> of your office. I would rather not. I'll get a, I'll get a horrible <laughs> headache. Um, so much beige. So much beige. Um, I've had to really come to terms with the fact that, and, and, and a, a good way, like my strength is that for my job, I have to seek the face of Christ. I have to continually ask, who are you? Who am I? What is this? What do you want? What's going on here? Is any of this real? <laughs> like, Because if not, I will go insane. <laughs> I mean, really, true. I will go insane. And so yeah. there has to be this continual emphasis on encountering the Lord and uh, just asking him for what to, for whatever he wants to happen and and just to kind of like just be quiet and go, okay, like, what do you want? I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. And um, continuing to just like let my job be in, be at very first, like, to let, you know, really just take, take like this like marrying approach of uh, let it be done to me according to thy will and just really meaning that and, and kind of. Yeah. You know, but like also like having like Mary, you know, she asks honest things and she, um, if from a place of faith, you know, and, and it has to be this dialogue, this great, um, uh, conversation just between like me and God, you know, so, um, I mean, and, and, and like me and God, like, like, like my office, the people that I'm with, like, you know, and that's been, uh, it's almost like not, not, not in spite of the church, but like, uh, for the church and because I don't know what else to do. I, I just, I can't act like everything's fine. You know, like I, I, yeah. I almost feel like I have to be a step away from being willing to walk away because it's just so um, disheartening and just 
um, you know, just so not the norm anymore. Yeah. Yeah, the part that sucks is, <laughs> you know, we started working for the church during the spotlight scandal. <laughs> and it's never really been back. And you got a lot of great people trying to do a lot of great things in the church. But, like, institutional church is hemorrhaging. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I've really admired my Archbishop, Archbishop Schner. He, um, I mean, the poor guy has to just, his job is just to report on all the finances. He's the treasurer of the U.S. Uh, the conference, if you will. And, um, you know, from day one, well, not day one, but I think maybe like day two or three of all of the McCarrick stuff, he's publicly come out and said we, we should open up the file. And I just think, man, to just have so much just roadblocks to that has got to be tough. And it, um, it's, it's you know, because it's like on my mind because every time I like say I'm angry at the bishops, I know that I mean him as well, and that hurts because I love that man, I really, really do. And I know, yeah, and and I'm see, this is the thing that I think people aren't giving. It's not like our see. I feel bad saying giving our bishops credit for it, and I feel bad that I feel bad for that because it's like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. That there might be a lot of heroic things happening. Yeah, and then we just will never know. We'll never know. And all we do is get the armchair quarterback and just say, "Well, they need to say this and do this." Now, I want them to be. I want to see people pissed because the more they drag their heels about this, this is what is pissing me off more than anything else. The more they drag their heels about this, the more we don't know how a guy can abuse a minor as well as priests and seminarians and get a, not just get away with it, but be elevated, elevated under JP2, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. How can this happen? Like, that is what is getting lost in all this. How can this happen? Like, how? I, and if we don't know the answer to how exactly this happened, it's going to keep happening. And that's the part that's pissing me off about all mm-hmm. the well, you're a you're anti Pope Francis. You know, it's like shut up. I am not, but he's the guy with all the magical backstage passes. And the only time he makes a comment is to literally make fun of Vigano. It's the only time he says anything. A certain former nuncio. You're like, ex- well, like who gives a shit about that guy? I'm talking McCarrick, buddy. Like, let's talk about, you're the only one with, you're the one that can lift all the can, canonical deals with the papal secrecy and stuff. You're the only one. Mm-hmm. If you're innocent, just, I mean, he was a cardinal before Francis. So it's not Francis's fault that he's in this, that McCarrick was in the position that he was in, at least not initially. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right? Like, okay, so let's yeah. let's just take this. The Pope knowingly put an active gay man who was violating his vows of celibacy into a position of prominence when his position of prominence was removed by a previous pontiff. There was no canonical sanctions. Okay, whatever. But the fact that he was like, you know what? I really need someone who can navigate U.S. politics. McCarrick knows the way. I'm going to do it. Oh, everyone's against him because of all this. Screw all that. Oh, you mean he, he molested a, ch- a child? Okay, well, I do care about that. Right? Like, because the, that's the problem is the media doesn't care if a bunch of gay men are having gay sex with gay each other. 
but the media cares when it's a minor. So, I mean, the only time an action gets taken against McCarrick was, uh-oh, actually there was a minor in the past. Yeah. It's like, but, so we all knew that it wasn't. So that that's my problem, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, we knew tons of stuff. We knew tons of stuff. Let's not pretend like we didn't know this. Yeah. So my, yeah. So the idea is like, going from here, how do we stop the abuse from ever happening again at least in this way you know people always mm-hmm. find ways do you know what i think a, a lot of people want i think they want the bishops to take a risk yeah i think they want them now the, the the issue is that they seem very like they want like because for the majority of people to live the catholic faith is to take a risk to you know like christ yes. even says in the gospel came not i don't remember how do you put it i came not to bring peace but i you know came with a sword came to bring the sword yeah, yeah like i'm going to turn a mother against daughter and you know uh you know brother against you know like all this stuff and that's the risks that people take and the people experience within their jobs within their work they are rejected they it's it's hard and the bishops quite often and a lot of priests quite often tend to take Tend to avoid, tend to a void risk, and I think a lot of times, and it's done for very practical, practical reasons, you know. And there are times when people think that if a diocese or if a group were to, uh, if they were, if they have an, if they have an accusation, they pay a person outside of court, or they like have like a settlement. Yeah, it's not. There's, it's not always they're like admitting. Yeah, they're not admitting guilt. Yeah, they're sometimes it's yeah. just a very practical thing where it's like we can't afford to fight this you know so like it's just you know, yeah you know and that's just and then there are other groups that do that as well but it's just tough because it's the church and we're like what shouldn't you i'm gonna fight this if it's wrong and you like have your lawyers who say no you don't and so we're and, and we aren't going to and then and that's i think i don't think that uh i don't think that to avoid risk is the same thing as justice or prudence or charity it can be mm-hmm. but i think um they need to seek those things out as opposed as opposed to trying to avoid risk yeah and I, I i think it's just kind of um people are tired of it they're tired of their bishops having what seems to be relatively easy lives i don't think that that is true i want to but i think that sometimes can you know like well you don't have to you don't have to cook for yourself you don't have to you know your whole you life. You don't cook, you don't clean, you don't drive, you have a bishop's residence that is basically a mansion, yeah. you live alone, you live whatever, you have you're accountable to no one. You have to have a retirement fund Rome. that you don't have to worry about paying for, you know, like yeah. 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 Free trips wherever you go, blah 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 blah. Now again, that's not that's <laughs> that is true, but <laughs> but there is like a cost to all that and that's and there's a it's a little bit more um, nuanced than, than that, but there's this element. Yeah, as one of my friends said, you ever have a priest have to get, like, a terrible letter? Like, uh, you know, like, turns out one of your catechists was, you know, doing something shady or someone died or someone committed suicide. And he said, priests get those, like, once every, like, five or ten years or maybe even once in their, you know, uh, their length of time as a pastor of a parish. Imagine getting, imagine having a stack on your desk. Yeah, every day, or just going you into know. office and you know that like so many people don't like you. So <laughs> many people, hundreds of but thousands. But I love Cardinal Donardo. I really do. 
No, and 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 I love. I mean, uh, yeah, and it's I'm, I. It's kind of and Schnur's a great dude. I, I wonder if like Schnur and Denardo ever talking like this is my Schnur impression. I hope it doesn't get hope it doesn't get angry about this. So uh, you know that there's a guy in your archdiocese who um, has a podcast. And the guy from mine who was like who was like on that, and we should be friends. That's not, that's a terrible Schnur impression. Um, <laughs> I just I, I think I told him about Does the podcast. Does he speak very like segmented? Um, like, hey, and <laughs> he's very short and to the point. <laughs> but he, I, there are two gentlemen who engage in a podcast. That podcast is freaking awesome, Cardinal <laughs> Donardo. What I'm saying is, me and you should be friends. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. I'm so bummed. He. Oh, I don't know if that's public knowledge, so don't put that in there. Luke, you're f***ing uh, no, I got four <laughs> seconds to edit this podcast. I, oh, no. no! I'm just kidding. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> so, I know I know there are a lot of good men there. Um, it's just, man, I, I think people just want to see them take a risk. and They want to see them care less about trying to preserve. Yep. Because, like, all integrity is gone, so why try to preserve it? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. like it's like we're starting from scratch, guys. We're starting from scratch. The, the summer, summer of, of scandal. 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 Hey, Luke. Stan Lee died. I know. God bless him. Ugh. Stan Lee. Excelsior. Did you ever see his reality TV show, Who Wants to Be a Superhero? No, I did not. It was terrible. <laughs> but I watched every one of them. I wonder how long it's going to take for like some of the anti-Stan Lee stuff to start like coming out. Well, all the anti-Stan Lee and Jack Kirby stuff has been out for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's just like so many people are like, you know he didn't really create these things. He just kind yeah. of like, No, he's a businessman. He owned the rights yeah. to those things. Uh, yeah, and I think there is a thing about how, like, he probably saw them. I mean, like, the people who sold the rights to Spider-Man sold it for, like, 100 bucks or so. Yeah. And I'm sure there's an element of, like, he helped Spider-Man become Spider-Man. So it's like, yeah, it's like, it's not really fair to say he didn't invent Spider-Man. Because it's like, well, you're right, but he invented what spider-man is you know yeah exactly yeah you want to build a business model around a thing is more is in a lot of ways more important than mm-hmm. the thing <laughs> do you want to cry apparently about stan lee no. yeah apparently two days ago he was on the phone with the director of the of the, the of the spider-man film and and the last thing he told him was take care of my boy are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, right? that oh. is awesome. I, I know. It, it it does. There is something to like. <laughs> and then the person said, nope. <laughs> said, mm, I would, but uh, we need to make a lot of money in phase four. So <sighs> we're going to kill him and make him a bishop. <laughs> no. Uh <laughs> The uh, yeah, man, Stanley, ninety-five years old. Anyhow, yeah. do you want to live that that long? Nope. Would you take a Google pill if it meant you could live to two hundred? I mean, like, what state am I at two hundred? Okay, withered. Let's assume huh? you stay like fifty-five-ish. Well, yeah, but like, if you don't take like three pills, you're dead. 
Well, I'm confused now. You, your alternate. What's the? I don't. What's know. the catch of the thing? The, 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 Listen, the catch is your, you have to take a pill, but the thing is, you have to take it daily. Yeah, you're always <laughs> having to pay and like take and take a pill. And if you forget your pills, so long, Gormley. Yes, I would do that because I'm gonna die anyway. It's gonna prolong my life. Sure, I'll take the burden <laughs> of remembering my pills. <laughs> of course, all those keggers that I'm gonna be going to as a 130 year old man. Whoa, maybe I might be prone to forgetfulness. <laughs> ow, ow. Watch out, 119 year olds. <laughs> oh, what? We didn't have enough money for Shannon to take the pill? Oh, well. <laughs> Gollet Gormley's back. <laughs> Why is this old man here with a you know you want me shirt? <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Ladies, I came here to party. <laughs> grandpa, get out of here. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm Catholic. I'm 12 <laughs> times over a great grandpa by now. <laughs> oh, my I'm God. I'm a great, 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 great. <laughs> and just to let you know, it says this I'm 55, so I'm still potent. <laughs> Ain't no blanks here. <laughs> Do you want to become a great, 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 great grandmother <laughs> while simultaneously becoming a mother for the first time? I can make it happen. <laughs> this butt's for you. Are you ready for the long good night? <laughs> so here's a question that one of our Patreon listeners put in. Uh, personal relationship with Christ. His priest, who's a great guy, gave a sermon in his 70s who said he never felt the kind of burning love for Christ that others talk about. But he went on to say he's okay with that because his love and ours should be deeper than emotions or mere emotions and be evident by choosing to follow Christ regardless. He would love to hear our take on that and what having a personal relationship with Christ is supposed to mean. This is a really heated question. Yeah. That I think there are times, I think it's good to ask this because there are times where I even thought, like, what do I mean by this? Yeah, right. So when I say personal relationship, I mean of or having to do with the entirety of your personhood. Right. So that means like your mm -hmm. emotions are part of it. So it's totes fine to be emotional. I think in the Catholic faith, our danger is the opposite. We tend to be like non emotional. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Germans. <laughs> I mean, although the kind of the new, you know, with, with incoming new modes of like praise and worship which can tend to be emphasizing only the emotional aspect that may be some people but the reality is just like the bishop baron thing don't get mad at people because they don't emote the way you emote and there are people who but if, if you read a lot of the saints writings they say two things like number one they say the quality of your prayer is not based upon your emotion but at the same time many of them have these things where they talk about these profoundly emotional experiences with christ weeping profound joy all of that stuff if you are a less emotional person then you're not going to then emotions are not going to be the main way that you communicate with your faith if you're a more emotional person you would tend to view a lack of an emotional response as a sign of inauthenticity mm -hmm. right and, and if I, that, and that's a danger yeah yeah because like really the gauge should be vulnerability yeah you know honesty commitment constancy yeah, 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 and just and like sometimes that leads to emotion, and sometimes it doesn't. Like there are yeah. sometimes when I'm very just like 
for even for as hyperbolic and, and as emotional as I can be, I can be at certain times I'm just like, okay, like I'm just not, but it's like, this is just good to be here and I'm going, and I'm, but I'm not going to, but I can still come at it with the same, um, with the same level of vulnerability. But then you have someone like St. Francis de Sales talk about what he calls affective prayer, which is essentially kind of like, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, what if the flesh is willing, but the spirit's weak kind of thing? Like, mm-hmm. You lose taste in prayer. So what does he say? He says, grab a crucifix, throw your arms around it, and try to stir up, like, an emotional connection, right? That That's him saying that, right? Try yeah. to weep. Uh, and because the idea is emotions exist to motivate you. And if they are taking you places where you don't need to go or, you know, if they're being mm. extreme, mm-hmm. then you need to temper that. But if they're dead, you need to temper that in the other direction. Yeah. You know? Like there might be an underlying emotional problem. There might be an underlying psychological problem. Mm-hmm. Or there might it's just your personality and you're not super emotional. And there are some days where it's just a bad day. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Yeah, but he's talking about his whole life. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I'm sorry. Intense love. I, I'm not trying to go back against St. Francis. I just I just mean like. No, 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 no. I'm talking about this guy. Oh, this okay. priest. He's oh, never yeah. felt the you know what I what I can only surmise is he's maybe never had that tears pouring out moment. Uh, you know, one of the things I do struggle if he doesn't talk about. Let me look up to see if he says fell deeper than mere emotions. I do feel like you know an element of repentance is true interior sorrow, and so if you're not if you don't ever get weepy over your sins or over your failures, I think maybe there might be a I don't know if I would say it's a lack of repentance, but we definitely know that, I don't know, we live in an emotionally stunted age for men. And so in the past, tears and all that stuff was very, a lot more prevalent among men than it is today. I I also do wonder if there's a thing with that priest world, especially as it's back in the, the 70s, like, does, is he a person who cries over things? Like, some people just, like, he yeah. could be on the spectrum and doesn't really process emotions yeah. i mean i don't know a lot about this so please take this all with a huge grain of salt but i'm just saying you know so that they're and that was a little bit before i believe when they kind of knew like what was going on so it could be like i don't feel anything the priest is in his 70s oh i'm sorry he's in his 70s now i thought you said that this was in yeah. the 70s i'm sorry i'm sorry no 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 so the priest is in his 70s now and he's just basically saying like this dude is a holy dude but he for him, Christ is a decision every day to follow after him. It's not an emotional. It's purely about the emotions that he's saying. So how much do emotions play in and having a quote-unquote personal relationship with Jesus? And I would just say, insofar as emotions adhere, emotions adhere to you as a human person. Exactly. Then it needs to be a part of it, right? So if exactly. you're, I, I remember in high school, someone, you know, we went like a, a life team guy was like, listen, you should be as include or engaged in the mass as you are in a football game. And I said that to my brother. My brother's like, that's stupid. It's mass. I'm not going to scream and shout and cuss out the priest like I do the official. <laughs> You've and never I was like, no, no, no. Catching on Fox's episode, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that one was Christian. Um, oh, but the, I- <laughs> the idea is uh, the idea is the level of emotion that you are that you typically bring to something should reflect on your faith. 
not necessarily at mass, right? Like hooting and hollering and all that stuff. But the idea that if if this priest has no problem crying at pay it forward, <laughs> but, yeah. but can't seem to find sufficient tears for his sins, I would say that maybe there's a problem there. That yeah. there is a disconnect between, like, is the faith in... Because we all know this, that especially for people who love learning and who are not given over to emotions, that their faith can become too abstracted, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can pray for the gift of tears. That's well, not a shameful thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think people who are, like, have a personal relationship with Christ or who define it's not like every time they pray it's a super intense emotional thing yeah you know like imagine if it was to be exhausting i know right like i mean to be blunt i'm at a point i'm probably at a point in my life now where i cry maybe just two or three times a day three to five times a year like really like <laughs> that like three like just like something will happen whether it's like a scene like a movie or a really terrible thing you know like it's really, it's really like it's gone down dramatically so from when it was in college, and it was like once a week. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when women would tell me, like in college, when these women would be like, "Yeah, I probably have a good cry like once every few days, or once a week, or once every two weeks." And I was like, "I haven't cried in a year, two years." <laughs> and they're like, "Why? What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "What's wrong with anyone? I don't know. I don't know what the standard is anymore." <laughs> Yeah, I was so emotional in college. But the idea is the standard of your your emotionalism within your faith is what's your emotional state like in general. And it's inappropriate to scream and yell at a mass like you're at a football stadium. Just like it's in a, I mean, like, when you think about it, like, sports ball is one of the few places where human beings are typically just allowed to scream. Like, to raise your voice in that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. When, when in your normal life do you just scream at the top of your lungs? I read that the other day. I thought that was a, a good insight. Like, where, where does that come from? Well, in sports ball, you're allowed to do that. So, yeah. So, I, I feel like I'm beating the horse to death. But if this Which, priest This is a has, podcast. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and so when I say... Uh, I, I remember getting into an argument with a Catholic speaker... Uh, who I think the world of, but she was Name just names. like, I, I'm just no. kidding. No, you, you don't have to. No, no, the, because I don't want to misrepresent what she was saying. Cause we, Text it, it was to funny. Me. Cause she <laughs> said to me, she said to me, let's talk about Trump as second I got into the car. And so we were talking about all this stuff and it was, it was interesting. Right. But it never got heated, never got out of control. We talked about Trump, Obama, like all these different things and just our own, you know, political feelings. And then, and then I attacked, I attacked emotions and prayer and stuff like that, <laughs> and how I believe there are segments of the Catholic charismatic renewal that are abandoning Catholicism, and uh, for the sake of the new apostolic revival or whatever it's called, new apostolic reformation, they're embracing things from the latter rain movement that are that's literally super destructive of all Catholic doctrine, uh, and people just blindly do it. And they sing the songs from Bethel music, not knowing that it's all Bethel and Jesus culture are all connected to it. But this song's fine. And you're like, all right, well, okay, whatever. But uh, so we got in this huge argument. She's like, emotions should be encouraged in prayer because we're emotional beings. And I'm like, yeah, but our own individual levels are different. So you can't be then being the, the speaker on a stage whipping people up to an emotional frenzy say before like the adoration hour of a Zoomville conference you can't do that and 
expect any type of good thing to come from that. Because you're basically saying, unless you experience this emotionally, which we all know a lot of kids don't, then there's some sort of defect in you as a believer. And that's just not true. And she would never say that. But I think her position is she's trying to get people who have never invested in their faith to, um, like, emotions are a certain way where, like, we're giving ourselves over in an act of surrender. And that's why it could be emotional. Whereas if we guard our emotions, it tends to be that we're guarding ourselves from a relationship with Christ. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like, so that emotional response doesn't define the quality of the thing, but maybe it can help define the type of surrender that you allow yourself to have. And it might get manifested in that way. I think that would be a better way to kind of look at it. Like if I'm really all in for Christ and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to wreck my shop. That means I can't just have an abstracted version of God. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying this guy's priest does, but we all know that that can be a danger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be a better way to look at it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the only thing I would add to that, and I think you're pretty much saying this, this, this exact same thing, I would also like add that like your emotions and how it how it during prayer should really re- reflect your life in a well ordered way. Yeah, you know. So if you're like a hyper emotion, like I think me in college, just because I was a college kid, you know, we're all trying to like work through crap. So uh, yeah. it was kind of reflective of that. But as I've gotten older, it's just changed. So because I've I've just like matured, you know, and so yeah. I, I, I just, I just, I would just add that little part there. So, and you know, if your priest is holy, then you're only holy because you have a uh, an interior life worth a damn, and that also means the more mature your spiritual life gets, the more you're given over to meditation and then contemplation. Mm-hmm. That's forms of prayer. So the the less the the bubblier emotional stuff can even touch you. Because then you see, like, a sense of detachment from those things that mm-hmm. previously you desperately needed. You know, I think a lot of high school kids need something like a, a Steubenville retreat where even if they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, they experience that kind of emotional release or something. Because for many of them, they don't associate any strong feeling, mm-hmm. good or bad, with the church. It's just blah. And at the very least, it's shaking people out of their apathy, even if they're faking it. You know, like, oh, wow, this church stuff does actually, you know, impact my life. And I just mean that in the most vague human way, right? That's all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot of people I want to thank right now for being new sponsors to our show. Natalie Kayser, this is going to be fun pronouncing last names. Anthony Fernandez, Marianne Everett, Paul Jungworth or Jungworth? I think Jungworth makes more sense. Sounds Matthew right. Bossler. Thank you, Matthew. Andrew Postuka. Andrew. Who edited his pledge from $2 to $5. Thanks, Classy Andrew. move, bro. Thank you. Lauren Young. Lauren. Taylor Deschotel. So many weird Ooh. last names. What is this month? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Please do not accept Luke's comment as any way she's I'm not. I love you, you all. You to- I love you all. Just saying. <laughs> Yes, uh, Anthony, Al- or excuse me, Anthony, Alexander Price went from $10 to $30, which qualifies oh, wow. him awesome. to get whatever books we're writing, which is kind of a joke. <laughs> no, uh, it's not. We've, we've got stuff coming. Luke, Luke, this is what I want you to do. Hmm. I want you in the month of December to write the first chapter. I'm not going to have time in December. You will. I believe I'm gonna in tr- you. Ah, 
I will see. wake up 30 minutes I've early been working on and it write a bit. 500 words. Courtney, thank you for pledging. Courtney Wiley, hey, thank big, you for pledging $5. Wait, real quick, big, big thank you to Court, uh, Courtney Wiley. You are my new freaking like hero. You are awesome. Thank you, Courtney. Yes, you are. You are, you are, and you know why. Uh, also, I want to thank Anthony Bones, the last person that pledged in the month of November. Y'all are awesome. We appreciate you so much. Um, and to people who have messaged us or read uh, on your um, who re- comment on our Patreon page. So what me and Luke are trying to do is we're trying to add more content on the Patreon page, but not just stuff for patrons. We want this to be kind of like where stuff lives for the podcast. Because a lot of people have actually written to us saying, I don't do Facebook. Is there another way I can interact? And so sometimes what we'll do is I'll post the show. I, w- I want to try to do this. I got to get it in my workflow. But posting the show on Patreon and then inviting people to comment mm. underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some really great feedback, you know, and it's, nice. it's good stuff. So uh, I'm super excited about doing that. So that's patreon.com slash CF, which is totally AF. <laughs> 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 yeah.